Amen. Yeah, yeah. Hey, glad that you're here with us. Uh, uh, we're on the very uh, last installment, last teaching on a three-part teaching, really on prayer and fasting. If you've been with us for the last several weeks, uh, generally almost every January we kick off the year with some type of prayer and fasting focus and direction. Uh, this year it's been 21 days, modeled after Daniel when Daniel was fasting and praying and seeking God for 21 days and God showed up in his life in an amazing way. So I want to encourage you, uh, our fast actually ends on Friday when Dave Patterson is here and we're believing God that this place is just going to be crazy, lit with a revival. Come on, our first revival night, come on, 2020. We've been praying, believing God. So again, come, you, you, you're going to be uh, filled and filled again with the presence of God. And we're going to believe God that we can get everybody in the house. Uh, I've got two pastor friends that are actually bringing 40 people with them so again you just need to get here early and we'll if we got to stand we got to stand anybody okay with standing in the presence of the Lord three people okay well good good okay all right we'll tape you guys off in the back back there uh, but we've been on a journey talking about prayer and fasting again what we found out is that fasting doesn't change God fasting changes you Fasting will shut down your body so you can hear God more clearly. The Word of God will come alive to you more clearly. Even just naturally, we know uh, scientists, doctors, those in the medical profession are telling us that regular fasting is good for you in your, in, in your own health, in your own physical body. It's good for you. But beyond the health benefit, it's good for you spiritually. Come on, somebody. It's just good for you spiritually. Jesus fasted, Moses fasted, Ezra fasted, Nehemiah fasted. All throughout the Bible, Paul fasted. We see men and women of God who fasted and prayed, and the outcome of it was just amazing supernatural things or things that couldn't happen uh, that, 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 that God wanted to happen, but there had to be a cooperation uh, to release what was in God's hand. And it caused prayer to be prayed and directed toward God in a way that maybe they didn't know how to pray, and, and enemies were defeated. So I don't know about you, but I got some enemies I, I want to see defeated. And so I, I'm going to just, just sink in closer with God and, and, and learn how to pray a little bit more effectively, and, and my faith gets Stirred up a little bit more not to quit. Come on, half the battle is just not quitting. Amen. Come on, you figured that out? Just, just no, don't, just don't quit. Just show up every day. And so we're just going to kind of tie everything together today, really, in one thing that we pray regularly for you. I pray this regularly for you. If you want to know how you can pray for me regularly and also our church, Paul talks about these two prayers in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3 and a prayer in Colossians 1. And so I want to encourage you sometime look at those. I'm going to look at one scripture today in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. I'm going to drop, parachute right down on the scripture and we're going to talk about it. Then we're going to look at some stuff from the book of Numbers about a crazy story with a kind of a disobedient prophet. And then we're going to look at something that happened with Elisha. And we're going to try to kind of tie it all up together at the end with a story from Genesis. So come on, if you've been around the block a little bit with us, you know we are a church that loves the Bible. Come on, somebody. We love reading the Bible. We just don't give you a little Reader's Digest version. We just go, come on, we go to cover to cover. Amen? Come on, somebody. Amen? Ephesians 1, verse 18, check it out. Right in the middle of it, Paul is praying this for a church at Ephesus. This is how Paul would pray for Spectrum. This is how the Apostle Paul would pray for you if you were in his church. He says this, I pray, let's read it out loud. Come on, one, two, three. I pray that the eyes, I said one, two, three, right? Come on, one, two, three, let's read. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know. And I just kind of left the know off because he says about three things. But notice what he says. Paul says, I'm praying for you that you can see something that you don't know yet. I'm praying that, not, not just physicalized, I'm not praying, praying here that, that, that the blind will see, although that, that, that's pertinent. But Paul's saying, I'm praying for you, church at Ephesus, hey, hey, spectrum people, I'm praying for you 
that God would enlighten your eyes. God, God would lift up the blinders on you. God would lift, open the curtains of your eyes, not your physical eyes, but the eyes of your heart, that you would know. He says certain things there. The hope of your calling, uh, the riches of the glory of God's inheritance for you, and the power and authority that Christ now has given to you as a child of God. He wants you to see it. So, so, so we say this regularly, uh, regularly around here. When you see something, you can know something. But God has to show you. He says, you need to be enlightened. In other words, can I say it this way? You and I come through this earth, and we are really in darkened. You're cute and on the outside, but come on, like the Bible says, we've got some dead men's bones on the inside. That's why we've got to be born again. And when we're born again, we can see. There's a guy named Nicodemus in John 3, and he couldn't figure this whole thing out as Jesus has a dialogue with him. The brother knows the book, but the book ain't in the brother. The brother knows the Old Testament. He knows the Old Testament scriptures, the prophets, but he doesn't know anything about walking in the light. He knows something, but he can't see something. So when you see what God wants you to see, you can then know what God wants you to know. <laughs> Come on, somebody help me up in here. So one of the greatest things you can pray for your family, one of the greatest things you can pray for your spouse, one of the greatest things you can pray for, for, for your friends is, Lord, I pray you give them eyes that see, eyes of their heart that see. Let me encourage you, moms, dads, it's wonderful that you pray that your kids go to great schools, that your kids go to have great friends, that your kids make the travel team, that your kids are the all-star, and they get, a, come on, they, they, come on, they get a free college education, tuition paid for. That's cool. That's great. But the greatest thing you can pray for your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, your loved ones, is pray that they would know God. Come on, somebody. Find freedom. Discover purpose and make a difference. Pray that they would see something that they don't see right now. And that's a prayer you need to keep praying. Because what I found out in life is that life will keep throwing darkness your way. And even though you saw last week, come on somebody, you still got to see this week. And trouble and persecution or things that don't go your way and bad reports and being on the outside and, and things maybe just that you just can't figure things out. All of a sudden, it's just like you're going through the mist. You're going through the cloud. You're going through the fog, and you just can't see. So Paul says, you need to pray. And this isn't a one-and-done prayer. This is a prayer you pray all the time. Father, give me eyes to see. Let my eyes be enlightened that I can know something that I don't know right now. Uh, we're going to look at this story. It's a lengthy story, and, and, and as we read it, I, I, I can already tell there might be some of y'all in the room that are going to get some pushback and say, Preacher, man, you're killing me. You believe this? You be I, be can I believe this story that we're about to read because Peter actually talks about this story in the book that he wrote in Peter. He talks about this story. Let's read it, Numbers 22, verse 21. Let me set it up. The nation of Israel is coming into the land of Moab. And everywhere they go, could I say it this way, they're kicking butt and taking names. They're just taking territory that God's got for them. And the king of Moab is the name of Balak, King Balak. And he says, man, if, the, if, if Moses and the gang come in here, they're going to drive us out. They're going to take all our stuff. They're probably going to kill us all. And so Balak, the king, hires a prophet named Balaam. And he says, man, every time this guy prophesies, stuff comes to pass. And really what we find out is that Balaam was this kind of dude that he'd work for you for the right amount of money. <laughs> he, 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 he'd say one thing, and, and he kind of would switch back and forth between kind of being a God man and a secular man, if you will. 
And so Balak says, man, I'm going to pay you some money. And, and Balaam starts off with a good report. And he says, I'm only going to say what God says. And, 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 then, and, and then the story kind of progresses on a little bit that finally he just goes. And, and he's going to prophesy doom and gloom against the nation of Israel for a certain amount of money. In the middle of while he's going with Balak to prophesy doom and gloom to the nation of Israel, this story happens. Pick it up in chapter 22, verse 21. So the next morning, Balaam, the prophet, he got up and he saddled his donkey and started off with the Moabite officials. But God was angry with Balaam because he was going. And he sent an angel of the Lord to stand on the road and block his way. As Balaam and his two servants were riding along, Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing on the road with a drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey bolted off the road into the field, but Balaam beat it and turned back on the road. He beat that donkey. Verse 24. Then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by and it crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Verse 26. Then the angel of the Lord moved further down the road and stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. This time when the donkey saw the angel... It just laid down under Balaam. Come on, it just flopped down. In a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. Come on, check it out. Balaam's up here riding. He's got two of his buddies behind him. He's on this donkey. And all of a sudden, the donkey sees an angel lower the sword drawn. And the donkey goes, hey, that ain't happening today. And the donkey, come on, somebody. And the donkey just bolts off. Bolts off. And, and, and then Balaam beats him and he gets back on track and, and they go a little bit further down, the, down and, 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 and the, there, there's a wall on one side and a wall on the other side and there's that angel again. Balaam doesn't see it, but the donkey sees it. And the donkey just gets by and goes, come on, you ever seen one of those, those horses that got a wild eye? Come on, somebody. Got a wild eye? Come on, I've ridden a couple of those. They're, they're down there in TJ. You can ride them for free. Come on, somebody. We're down in San Isidro. <laughs> Those are called beach horses. Anyway, and so uh, that, that donkey just tried to try, try to get away from that angel. Come on, the angel's right there. And he squeezed the prop, and that man hurting his feet, and he beats that donkey again. A little further down the road, the road is super narrow. You can't get by it. The donkey sees there is no squeezing down. The donkey just lays down. What I have found in a lot of people's lives is they, when, they, when, when, when anything's going on in their life, something's going on in their life, and they think it might be the devil, and, and, and they bolt off the road, it ain't the devil, it's God in your way. And many times people get back on, you know, they bolt off this thing, oh no, I'm, this is getting back on track, I'm going to bring my life back on track, going whatever way I want it to go, not knowing God is in your way. And all, all of a sudden things start, you know, then, then things start getting squeezed out of you, like, 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 like you feel like an orange, and, and you might think it's the devil, it might not be the devil. You just beat stuff and you just try to make stuff happen in our family, our kids, or friends, or spouses. Just try to beat stuff to try to make it go again, get back on track again. And then finally, here it is right there. The angel is standing right in the way, nowhere to go. And the donkey just falls under, under, <laughs> holding the prophet. And we just go, get up. Come on, get up. This is going to work. This is going to happen. We're going to do this when God says, Hey, baby, you're going the wrong way. 
I, I just think that we, we kind of think everything going on in our life is the devil when God many times is trying to get in the way of our kids, our spouses, our friends, our brothers, our sisters, maybe even you. Maybe God's getting in your way because if you keep going the way you're going, you're going to die early. Come on, somebody. Verse 28, it says, Then the Lord gave the, the donkey the ability to speak. Come on, somebody. And here's the donkey. What have I done that deserves you beating me three times? It asked Balaam. You've made me look like a fool. Ba Come on, Balaam's talking back to the donkey. You made me look like a fool. He says, if I had a sword with me, I'd kill you. And look at this now. The donkey talks back. But I, am I not the same donkey you've ridden all your life? The donkey said, have I ever done anything like this before? And Balaam says, no, 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 you haven't. Come on, verse 31, say it with me. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. Say it one more time. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a sword drawn in his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell face down before him. Why did you beat your donkey those three times? The angel of the Lord demanded, look, I have come to block your way because you stubbornly resist me. Could this be me? Could this be you? God, I bind. God, I loose. God, ah, fire. Ah, I put some tongues on it. Put the word on it. And God says, you can do all that. You can beat it all you want. That's not my will for your life. I want what they want. I want that girl. I want that boy. I want that job. I want that career. I want to go. I, and God's saying, I don't have that for you. And so, so many times I think in our lives, and again, maybe, may, maybe more like a church like us that we believe, again, the promises of God, come on somebody, are yes and amen. And they are yes and amen. But when it comes to the will of God for your life specifically, the direction God has for your life, you need to have your eyes opened. Balaam could not see what was right in front of him. And the angel says this finally to him in verse 33. Three times the donkey saw me and shied away. Otherwise, I would certainly have killed you by now and spared the donkey. Come on, somebody. If God is saving donkeys and killing people, how many you know we in trouble up in here? How many of you would have believed that, that God could open the eyes of your kids and your grandkids? Come on, and your friends and your spouse. Come on, anybody? Anybody out there? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's disaster on the road they're going. There's trouble on the road they're going. There's pain on the road they're going. I believe this. Listen, I really believe this, that God can use a hard place to get our families in the right place. He, he can use a hard place to get our families in the right place. And so, so listen to me. Quit praying your kids get out of the trouble they're in maybe. Maybe the trouble is what they need to get in so God can get them out of trouble. Come on, everybody. I know a lot of kids, I know a lot of people that they actually found God when they were in the jail. They found God in the middle of a terrible situation. And I don't want anybody going through a terrible situation. But I do know this. The Bible says the way of the transgressor, come on somebody, is hard. It's hard. It's just hard. And if you want a hard way, God's going to let you and God's going to let me go a hard way. He hasn't got that for me. 
But he wants our eyes open. That's why you need to pray every day, regularly. Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes that I'm on the right place. Open my eyes that I'm in the right direction. Open my eyes that, that, that I'm, I'm pursuing the right relationship. Open my eyes that I can see the right career path. Open my eyes. Open. Come on, somebody. Open my eyes. Come on. Anybody, anybody ever had any friends or anybody like that? You go, you shouldn't be. Why are you dating that guy? You, why are you dating that guy? You're getting, you, why are you dating that girl? You are, you are getting hooked up with the wrong person, baby. They're going to take you away from God. If you're with somebody that's not making you harder to serve God, you better dump that person. Three, three claps. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. I believe it. I believe God can use a hard place to get our families in the right place. Get your loved one in the right place. Get your friend in the right place. I believe with all my heart. Acts chapter 26, the Apostle Paul, this is what, the, this is what he, was his testimony. That in Acts chapter 26, he actually says this, what, what God told him, what the will of God was for, for his life. It says this, that I'm going to open the eyes. God's going to open their eyes. He's talking about the people who don't know him. I'm going to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins, and then he says, an inheritance. What's God going to do? Uh, God's going to turn them. God's going to turn them. But before he turns them, he's going to give them eyes to see in order to open their eyes. I want them to see something right now they don't see. They just don't see it. They're going the wrong way. They're doing the wrong thing. You're pursuing the wrong lifestyle. You're believing the wrong report. I've got to open your eyes. Paul said, that's why I'm here. That's why when I preach, I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding get flooded with light. Every time you read the word, every time you lift your hands, every time you come to worship, God is causing you to see better so you can know better. Come on, somebody, say amen. Man, I feel like preaching up in here today. Come on. Man, Matthew 7, check it out. Jesus said this in verse 13 and 14. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The only way you're getting through the kingdom of God is through a narrow gate. The highway to hell, and this is what one translation says, uh, the, the, the road that leads to destruction is broad, and it, its gate is wide, and many choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and, and the road's difficult, and only a few ever find it. So God says, you hadn't got a lot of choices, baby. You want to do this? I might, I, might, I might bolt you off the road, and you try to beat yourself back on track. And your kids try to get back on track doing, doing the very same thing, on the same road, heading for the same destruction. And, and then they were through life, things just start getting squeezed, and the money gets squeezed, and, and, and the pressure gets squeezed, or a health challenge gets squeezed. And God's, listen, God's not causing it, but God is allowing it. He doesn't cause death, disease, destruction, famine, poverty. He doesn't cause it, but he does allow it. you got to agree with that because it's happening. So God will use it for his glory. God will use the enemy for the glory of God. And if I refuse to allow God to work in my life and allow his good, goodness and his grace to move me towards him, God might start squeezing some stuff in my life. And then give me no other option where... Gary, if you're going to serve me, this is the way you must go right here. It's narrow. It's narrow. But at the end of it, Scripture says there's life there. Come on, somebody. There's life there. So the angel's got his sword drawn. He says, man, I would have I saved the donkey, and I would have killed you, prophet. Man, 
man, I'm just praying for our loved ones, our kids, our grandkids, our friends, our spouses, our, our, our aunts, our uncles, our, come on, our cousins. Come on, that, that, that God is going to use every single thing to get a hold of them. God's going to open their eyes. Come on, say that with me. Open their eyes. Come on, open their eyes. In 2 Kings 6, verse 14 through 17, it's a prophet named Elisha. We've talked about this brother before. This happens time and time again. We read about it in the Bible. All of a sudden, you're out doing your own thing. Everything's good. You're not in sin. I mean, you're just, you're just being who you called to be. And all of a sudden, the enemy shows up around this prophet and his servant, Gehazi. The enemy's coming to, to, to kill them. And this is what happened. This is what happens in your life. All of a sudden, you get the text message. You get the negative report. You go to work tomorrow, and you, and you get a pink slip. And you didn't ask for it. You didn't pray for it. It's just called life. Things happen. This is what happened with the brother. All of a sudden, he wakes up one morning, one night. Look what it says in chapter 6. One night, the king of Aram sent an army with many chariots and horses around the city where Elisha was. When the servant of the man of God, this is Elisha's servant, he gets up early. Come on, he's going to get some coffee and, and, and you know, and make a little burrito. And, and the, 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 he says the chariots and horses are surrounding the city. Man, the, the troops, the horses, chariots, every, everywhere. Look, everywhere. He says, oh, sir, what, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do? He's crying out to Elisha, what are we going to do? And this is what happens in your and my life. What are we going to do? What am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about this situation? What am I going to do? Kid got arrested there in jail. What am I going to do? Uh, they're on drugs. What am I going to do? Uh, they won't go to rehab. What am I going to do? I, I, my, I got the pink slip. What am I going to do? My husband says, hey, I'm under divorce. What are you going to do? Man, didn't ask for it, didn't pray, didn't see it coming. Verse 16, don't be afraid, Elisha told him. For there are more on our side than on theirs. And Elisha prayed. Come on, say, Elisha prayed. First thing you better do when you're in trouble is pray. He prayed. Oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. Then the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Horses and chariots of fire. Listen, I, I, I believe that you don't have to live in fear. I believe that you don't have to live in anxiety. I believe you don't have to live in depression. There's angels all around me. Come on, angels all around you. Angels all around you. I believe that. I believe that Psalm 91 is our portion, that everywhere we go, we're protected. Everywhere we go, we're delivered. I don't have to fear. That happened to them. Psalm 91 says, it shall not come to me. I don't know why it shall not come to me. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to live in worry. I'm going to get on an airplane. I'm going to go from point A to point B. Makes no difference how many airplanes go down. Makes no difference what terrorists are shooting, whatever. I ain't getting shot down. Come on, I ain't getting shot down. Come on, somebody. Always in the right place at the right time. Never in the wrong place at the wrong time. But he says, open his eyes, open his eyes, open his eyes. When you pray, God wants your eyes open to the unseen realm. Right now, listen, I'm not trying to freak anybody out, but right now, everywhere in this room, everywhere outside this, listen, this is, uh, there are angels and there are demons. There are angelic spirits and there are demonic spirits. And demonic spirits are trying to hinder you, trying to, trying to bind you, trying to talk in your ear, trying to cause, manipulate things that try to get you off course. But come on, there's also angels of God that are with us everywhere we go. That's why we put on the armor of God. Come on, everybody. 
and we, we, we use uh, the weapons of our warfare. The Bible says that are not, are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. That's what we do. That's what we do. So we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to be worried. We don't have to be, you know, crazy and go through life shaking like a chihuahua. We are in a battle. The scripture tell, tells us that. We, we are in a battle, not against flesh and blood, but against this unseen realm, this demonic realm that is constantly trying to get us off course. That's why we have to pray, God, give me eyes to see. Let me see something I'm not seeing so I can know something I'm not knowing. Let me see what's really going on with work. Let me see what's happening right now in my family. Let me see what's going on in this situation with my kids. Let me see so I can pray, so I can stand. Can somebody say amen? amen. Check it out. You know this. If you've read over in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 33, 3, here's part of what it just says there, that Jeremiah says, when you call to God, here's what he says, when you call to God, he will answer you and he will show you. Look at this. When you call to God, he will answer you, but check it out, and show you great and mighty things that you don't know. He'll show you. That's your eyes. That's your eyes being open. We're not just physical eyes, but the eyes of your heart. He will show you. All of a sudden, you'll see something. All of a sudden, you'll know something that you didn't see and know before when you pray, when you call to God. Anybody want to call to God this week? Come on. Come on. Anybody want to call a little bit more this week? Come on, I've been calling on some things this past, you know, 14, 15, 16 days in our 21-day of prayer and fasting. I'm going to keep calling because I know every time I call, he's going to hear me, and he's going to open up my eyes. He's going to show me something great and something mighty that I need to see. Amen? Man, I, we know the story from over in the Old Testament. Jonah, Jonah's a prophet, and God gave him an assignment. But just like we read with Balaam, God gave him an assignment, and he, he went bolting, you know, just like the donkey, bolted off the other way. Jonah bolts off the other ways. I, I, I don't want to go to Nineveh, this city. I don't want to, I don't want to preach to this city and, uh, because the backstory is that Nineveh, Nineveh killed all the prophets. And I, I don't want to go there. And so, and so he, he goes off in his own direction. And if you know the story, God prepared a great fish and swallowed the prophet, the Bible says. And while he was in the belly of the fish, the scripture says he prayed to God. In the belly of a fish, in the pit of a situation, in, in darkness, he prayed. And when he prayed, the Bible says God talked to that fish and that fish spit him out. Come on, everybody. When he prayed, come on, something changed. When he prayed, something changed. Spit him out on dry land. And when he came out on dry land, he went straight to Nineveh and started preaching. So maybe it's not, Lord, Lord, oh, oh, the whale, oh, Lord, the situation, oh, Lord. What you need to pray is, God, give my kids, God, give my grandkids, God, give my spouse eyes to see that they are in a pit right now. They're in a pit. There's no way out. There's no way out. Maybe that's where you're at. You're doing your own thing. And a whale is taking you in a direction that God hadn't got for your life. So what you need to pray is, God, Father, open my eyes. Open my eyes. <laughs> we prayed that forever. Our kids, you know, start, you know, but when your kids come home from school and, and they just, this is my, Kimberly's word, they just smell different. I mean, listen, not, not naturally, but you just, they come home and you go, you picked up something today. You picked up something today. You picked up something today at school. You're not the same kid I left off at 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm not talking about smelling like dope. I'm not talking about, you know, whatever. I'm just talking about they just picked up something. So what do you got to do? You got to pick up your Bible. Come on, somebody. You got you to go on your knees, and you got to come against that. And you might have a need, need to be having a talk to them, but you do, the, you do your battle in the realm of the spirit, and it will show up on the outside in their life. Otherwise, they will be going 
out in a direction like a fish and a whale taking them out to sea. And so you got to attack it early. Come on, somebody. Attack it. Come on. Attack it early. Uh, Jesus actually said this. I like what Jesus said. He said, watch and pray. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. I, I, which I, I've seen in my own life. I, I believe this. If you fast and pray more, you'd sin less. If you just fast and pray more, you'll sin less. So I need to watch. I need to pray. I need to get alone with God. I need to hear him so that I can resist things that are coming into my life. And I don't have to give in to certain things because I'm in a constant pursuit of, Lord, I need my eyes open. I need to see what's really going on in this situation so I can hear you and I can do exactly what you called me to do. You need it in your life and your kids and your grandkids and your friends need it in their life. That's why God put you with them so you could pray. Come on, somebody. How many of you going to pray this week a little bit? Yeah? Pray. I want to read you this last story this morning. And, and, and I've never seen it like this before. I've read it for, for, you know, 40 years. But, man, something just jumped off at the page at me. I was, I was reminded of something, so I want to bring it to you today. Again, for some of you that might be a little bit more familiar with the Bible, but we'll get you, everybody up to point and pace if, you, if you're not is that Abraham was actually called the father of faith. The apostle Paul calls him that in the New Testament. He comes on the scene in Genesis chapter 12. The brother's 75 years old. He's got a wife at 65. His body's shut down, can't have kids. Her body's shut down, womb's shut down. She can't have kids. God calls him and says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And you look like you're barren now, but look, he says, if you can count all the stars in the sky, that's how many kids you're going to have. He wasn't talking about physical kids. He was talking about spiritual kids. He was going to be the start of what we call the Hebrew race and the Jewish foundation, the Jewish faith, the Jewish believers. And and God starts working with him. And and, and if you know the progression, from the time that God showed up in his life, he's 75, there was a 25-year process until he, he and Sarah actually had their son called Isaac. But before Isaac was actually born... When Abraham was 86 years old or so, he got tired. He got weary. He got, Sarah got tired of waiting. And she actually says to Abraham, hey, babe, I, we ain't having no kids. I know, I, I know God said, but we ain't having no kids up in here. And so she said, which evidently was okay with the culture at the time, this is not okay today. Here's my handmaid. Come on, here's a girl cleaning the house. Here's a girl cooking the food. Here's here's Hagar. Go sleep with her, and we'll have a son, and that son will be the heir of the prophet. That that son will will fulfill the word that God wants to give to us. And so Abraham slept with her, and instantly she gets pregnant. And the Bible says when when, when she gave birth to that son, uh, th- there was just disdain between Hagar and, 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 and Sarah. Sarah couldn't have any kids, but she is really the wife. And she's just, we could just say she's just a hookup. But they're disdain. They're, they're looking at each other. I don't know. She's going, you know, I, I got a baby. You don't. And what, but, but, but Sarah was getting ticked off. And the Bible says when Sarah got pregnant finally and gave birth to Isaac, it only got worse. And so when she gave, got, gave birth to Isaac and he started growing, she sees one day, we'll pick up the story, and, and Hagar and Ishmael is the name of her son. They're looking over there making fun at Sarai and her son Isaac. And Sarai comes to Abraham and she says, this ain't going on. I'm tired of this stuff. This is my house. This is my place. 
Come on, get that girl out. Get her out. And the Bible says Abram, Abraham's heart was just smitten that he, he loved Ishmael. That was his son. Wasn't the heir of the promise, but, but it was his son. So he says to Sarah, you deal with it. And so she kicks Hagar out. Kicks him out with her son. Pick up the story. So Abraham rose early in the morning, took a bread and a skin of water, put it on Hagar's shoulder, and gave it to the boy and to Hagar and sent them on their way. She departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba, and the water in the skin was used up, and she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. And she went and sat down across from him about a bow shop or about a hundred yards. And she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. They're, they're, they're dying. They're dying of thirst. No more water. It's done. We've been watering the wilderness. We're getting ready to die. And so she sits down and she takes Ishmael about 100 yards away. It says she sat opposite him and she lifted up her voice and wept. She's crying. She's weeping before God. Verse 17. Check it out. And God heard the voice of the lad. And the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad and hold him with your hand. I'll make him a great nation. Come on, read this with me. Then God opened her eyes. And she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad to drink. I've read this as I told you many times, but it's crazy. I don't know if you picked it up. <laughs> no more water. We're dying. I can't bear to see my son die. So she sets him 100 yards away or so, and she sits here opposite him, and the Bible says, we read it, she lifts up her voice, and she weeps before God. Listen to me. The Scripture does not say that God heard her voice, although I know he did. But the Bible says God heard the voice of the lad. The angel says to her, fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. She's here. He's over there. But the Bible says God heard him over here. I believe with all my heart for our kids, our grandkids, our spouses, our friends, our cousins, our relatives, the people that we're connected with, I believe in their hearts there's a cry that they want change. They don't want their life to be this way. That when we pray here, God's hearing them over there. Come on, somebody. You might not see it. It's a bow shot. It's 100 yards away. Come on. It's across the country. It's in another country. It's in another state. You can't see them. They're not that close. But listen, when you pray here, God's hearing them over there. Man. Man. The Bible says that God heard him. And the angel says, what, what ails you, Hagar? Why, 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 why are you all tore up? Why are you tore up? 
He says, rise, lift up the lad, hold him with your hand. I'm going to make him a great nation. God opened her eyes. God opened her eyes, and right there was a well of water, the scripture says, a well of water. For so many in the room, listen to me, I just, I, I sense this prophetically for you here and for your families, listen to me. You have been so tore up about what's happening in your life right now, you cannot see the well of water that's right there. You can't see the provision of God right there. You can't see that God's got refreshing, God's got ability. Water in the scripture talks about the move of the Spirit of God. Talks about, uh, talks about God doing something amazing, the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't see it because you're so tore up about what's happening with your family, with the situation in your life, with your loved one, with your spouse, maybe even in your own life. Maybe a health challenge, whatever it is. And right there is the refreshing that I need. Come on, somebody. Shout it out with me. Open my eyes. Come on, open my eyes. Open my eyes. I want to leave you just with three things I think is important. Like the angel of God told Hagar. God told Hagar this. Here's what he said. God told Hagar, arise, lift up the lad, and hold him with your hand. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him with your hand. He said, I'm going to make him a great nation. It's not over. I'm going to make him a great nation. Arise. Come on, come on, arise, lift up the lad, and hold him with your hand. I'm going to make a great nation of him. The first thing I think that we all need to do, everybody in the room, listen to me, you need to arise. You, come on, you need to arise. You need to get up emotionally. You need to get up out of the depression. You need to get up out of the long look, a long face. You, you need to get up out of the, out of the, out of the like, I don't know if it, God's going to do anything in this situation in my life. Listen, you just need to get up. When you get up, you can get moving. Come on, somebody. You need to get up emotion. You need to believe God again. Get your soul lined up again with the word of God. Get up. The second thing that the angel said is lift up the lad. Come on, lift up the lad. Lift up the lad. Come on, lift up. He, he's down there. Lift it up. Some of you have let your prayers die right there in front of you. Go to it again this week, today, tonight. Get that prayer up again that looks like it's dead. If you don't grab it, God can't grab it. He's given you the authority on the earth to bind, to loose, to bring the power of God. That's resurrection power that can change things. So you are required to go and look at that thing that looks dead and pick it up again. Come on, somebody. I'm, come on. I know I'm preaching up in here. Pick up your kids again that don't want to see you in your prayers. Pick up your spouse that's out hanging out with somebody else pick it up again because listen to me there's water right there there's water right there you just can't see it yet there's everything you need right there right close and the last thing i love it pick it up and she says hold him that's what she said angel of god told her hold him arise lift up the lad Hold him with your hand. Listen to me. Get close to this. If your kids are close, come on, call them. If they're awake, call them. Text them. Come on, go to them. Restore the relationship. If it's with your spouse, get close. Say, I'm going to fight for you. I'm, I'm going to believe God with you. If, it's, if you're at odds with somebody and it's gone crazy and, and you know that, that that's not supposed to be that way, come on, arise. Lift up, start praying, believe God again, and get close. Fight off conflict, fight off all, 
all the junk that's going on. Come on, be the bigger person. Humble yourself. Come on, let love win. Come on, somebody. Let love win. Let love win. Man, the Bible says God made a mighty nation out of this guy, Ishmael. 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 God can take a terrible situation and still use it for his glory. Come on, bow your head, close your eyes all over the room. Father God, today.